Sorry. I mean, hello. Hi. And welcome to Saints and Witches. I'm Sarah. I'm Catholic. I'm Liz. I'm a witch. We're back. We're back again. It's, <laughs> it's been such a long, long time. We're slowly approaching like two years, aren't we? Oh my God. Yeah. In March, <laughs> it will be two years. That's just so long. I know. I'm not good at commitment, so. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still here. Yeah, I know. It's shocking. Um, Not to be a bitch, but I am kind of surprised by it as well <laughs> that you're still here. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't like to do things for a long time. Same. I get tired. Like once the novelty of something has worn off mm-hmm. and it no longer provides me with dopamine, uh-huh. <laughs> then it's yep. like, why am I still doing this? It's why just a drag. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there are times where it definitely feels like a drag on this podcast, like researching when you really don't feel like it. I've had a lot of those uh, days in the last couple of months, especially since starting this new job that if I'm working like 45 hours a week and then I look at my research, it's like, mm, I would rather rewatch 13 Reasons Why right now right. Than, um, than research. So Yeah, that was me this time. And like, there's no reason for it because I don't have like that crazy of a schedule. Like I have a part-time job and then... You do have the wedding coming up. Yeah, but like most of the decisions for that were made like a year ago. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't really been doing much in the meantime. (laughs) I can tell myself that you are so. (laughs) Okay, great. Um, Yeah, so this week I put it off and put it off because I was like, oh, this is an easy topic. It'll be fine. Cut to today, kind of like frantically tying everything together in Google Docs, like I always am right at the last minute. And around 1 p.m., I finished and I was like, oh, my God, perfect. I can have time to like check everything and like look up some pronunciations. But first, I need a snack. So I make myself a gigantic bowl of broccoli cheddar soup and immediately eat the entire thing in record time and then like promptly pass out. (laughs) And I woke up to a cat snoring in my (laughs) ear. I was like, very confused. Um, And then he texted me and I was like, okay, time to go. I had all of three paragraphs written last night Mm -hmm. uh, when I went to sleep finally at like midnight. Um, And then I churned out another like two pages around 11 o'clock this morning. Yep. Um, But yesterday I was like pulling fucking teeth. It's like, come on, just write this paragraph. But I was overstimulated and then understimulated. And then I just, (laughs) (laughs) I was having issues. And I was like, I'm like a toddler. Just get yourself a drink, get yourself a snack. We're putting you in bed. Like Mm -hmm. just rest. Yeah. Sometimes you need to just go to bed. Um, So today we are going to talk about Halloween and Halloween adjacent things. That just whole (laughs) batch of days, holidays, spooky Mm -hmm. little time. Um, So yeah, Sarah's going to talk about the the Catholic religious side of things. I'm Mm going to talk about the the witchy half of things. So, yep. And I feel like I had something else. I guess not. (laughs) And goodbye.
Um, this will be fun. Um, hopefully what I wrote makes sense. I didn't really have time to check it because I was asleep. So I thought it would be fun to talk about the origins of Halloween, but also, um, like the Catholic traditions around the time of Halloween. So, um, I'm going to talk about the Catholic perspective on the three days that make up our holiday called All Hallowtide, um, which is Halloween, All Saints Day, and All Souls Day. And then I will turn it over to you to talk about Samhain, I think, and we will hopefully find the connections between the holidays, um, aka <laughs> assuming you'll just school me <laughs> on where all of our traditions come from. Um I purposely did not look deeper into the origins of these holidays than I had to for the purpose of my side of the episode. Um, So I could be surprised um, and shocked and ashamed and humiliated and like (laughs) publicly embarrassed. No, it's not that serious. Okay, so Halloween, All Saints Day and All Souls Day constitute a triduum which is a religious observance lasting three days. All Saints is celebrated on November 1st and All Souls on November 2nd. The main reason that we have this triduum, the reason it exists, is that we have a belief in the Catholic Church and in some other Christian denominations that there is a strong connection between the saints in heaven otherwise known as uh, what we call the church triumphant, apparently. I just learned this this week, so (laughs) this is new to me. Um, (laughs) Apparently, the saints in heaven are called the church triumphant. Um, Then members of the church who have died and are in purgatory, as far as we know, like as far as we imagine, otherwise known as the church penitent, and members of the church who are living, also known as the church militant. So there are connections between those three stages of souls, basically. Um, So we can pray for the help of the saints in heaven, and we can pray to help dead people who are not yet in heaven. So that's the purpose of the triduum, to set aside a specific feast for like this reason and this reason only. To get into more detail about like history and origins, I thought I would start with All Saints Day because um, the other two days kind of emerged outward from All Saints Day. So I think historically it makes the most sense to start there. So All Saints Day is a Catholic solemnity, meaning a feast of the highest rank. So it's on par with events in the life of Jesus, like the Nativity, the Epiphany, um, Pentecost, all of that stuff. Usually All Saints Day is a holy day of obligation, meaning that you're obligated to go to Mass, even if it doesn't fall on a Sunday. The exception to this rule is if the holy day falls on a Saturday or a Monday, then the obligation is lifted because it's like close enough, <laughs> which I actually really like. I think that like I like the spirit of that just being like, Meh. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> um, so that applies this year. November 1st this year is a Monday. So it is it is not a holy day of obligation. 
All Saints is celebrated by not just Catholics, but also the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Anglican Communion, the Lutheran Church, the Methodist Church, and a few other denominations, although some of them celebrated on a different day, which we will probably see why as we go on. It's also called All Hallows Day or Hallowmas, um, hallow being another word for saint. I really like the older names, like Hallowmas just sounds cool and I like want to use it instead of like all saints day it's like mm, why do we have to make me feel like I'm a tiny little Victorian child (laughs) (laughs) mama (laughs) must we celebrate Hallowmas this year it is ever so cold outside (laughs) uh yeah a haunted Victorian child Mm -hmm. um Um, traditionally, tradish, uh, the celebration of All Saints begins the evening prior. So on Halloween night or All Hallows Eve or All Saints Eve, all the same thing. Um, and it begins with a Vespers Mass, which again, Vespers is the liturgical office of evening prayer, which is celebrated like as evening begins to fall. It's also known as Evensong, which sounds very Tolkienian, so um, I'm a fan of that one. The historical basis of the Feast of All Saints can be found in the New Testament with the first examples of the burials of Christian martyrs. So the martyrs whose burials are mentioned in the New Testament are St. John the Baptist and St. Stephen. Um, John the Baptist obviously was beheaded. We have an episode about that if you're interested. Um, And St. Stephen was stoned by a mob, um, which is mentioned in the Acts of the Apostles. The feast days of St. John the Baptist and St. Stephen were locally celebrated by Christians in the early church. And as more martyrs were created, which is a nice way of saying it, um, during the persecution of early Christians, um, more and more of these feast days were created and were being celebrated. So now we're not only celebrating the deaths of biblical martyrs, we're also going to celebrate the death of like Lawrence, who we heard was burned alive in Rome a few years ago. We're celebrating Christopher with the dog head who was beheaded in Anatolia. And we're celebrating some guy's cousin who we heard about from the next town over. And the calendar is filling up quickly because the emperor is doing quite a bit of murdering. Um, So we have feast days overlapping, people celebrating them on the wrong days. It's like a full on mess. Um, So we needed a better system. We needed to just like clump them all together um, so that we didn't leave anybody out. And um, a few different like my family does with my birthday, my (laughs) brother's birthday and my grandma's birthday, because they're all the same week and it's just too much. It's also Thanksgiving week. So we just smoosh it together on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving birthday week. Mm hmm. I respect it. Do you have multiple cakes or do you share a cake? Uh, There's only ever been like one cake and there's usually not even a cake. Usually it's just like, hey, happy birthday. Hey, happy birthday. Yeah. Go get some turkey. You should bring (laughs) a cake, but not share it with anybody. Just eat it in the corner like a weirdo. The entire thing. Mm -hmm. And like not a small one, like a massive sheet cake. Like go to IGA, get one of the big cakes. Mm -hmm. And it's like you don't even really like it that much. (laughs) Like it's not really good. (laughs) 
but you I'm dedicated. Eat the entire thing. <laughs> like Matilda. That scene in Matilda. Bros, 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 bros. I would cheer you on the whole time. Um, gross. My stomach hurts just thinking about that. So yeah, so a few different locations, different areas had this idea at different times and celebrated this feast of all saints on different days. So the first hard evidence we see of celebrations of what would later be known as All Saints Day comes from around the fourth century in a few different places in Europe and Asia. So in Edessa, in modern day Turkey, a feast commemorating all Christian martyrs was celebrated on May 13th, not to brag, my birthday. (laughs) Um, In Antioch, this feast was celebrated the Sunday after Pentecost, um, which, if you don't know, is the feast celebrating the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles after Jesus's resurrection. So it kind of makes sense for it to be like around Easter that we celebrate like death and resurrection. Like that would make sense, theoretically. Um, in Syria, the Feast of All Christian Martyrs was celebrated the Friday after Easter. So it varied, but it kept to this general time period in the beginning. In the 5th century, St. Maximus of Turin preached annually in honor of all Christian martyrs on the Sunday after Pentecost in what is modern-day northern Italy. This same day, the Sunday after Pentecost, is recorded in the 7th century Würzburg, I think, lectionary, which is the oldest surviving ecclesiastical reading list as the Sunday of the Nativity of the Saints. That's what it's called. Um... So by the 7th century, we can see that the feast had expanded to include include all Christian saints and not just martyrs. So that's like kind of the first big change that happens to it. Um, And then this is where it gets interesting. On May 13th, 609 or 610, Pope Boniface IV consecrated the Pantheon at Rome to the Blessed Virgin Mary and all martyrs. The Pantheon had previously been a Roman temple, and the date of this dedication is very significant because it fell on the date of the Roman festival of Lemuria, I think is how you pronounce it, or the Lemuralia. Um, According to Ovid, the festival, this festival had been instituted by Romulus, one of the like mythological founders of Rome to appease the spirit of his twin brother, Remus. Um, So Lemuria was a festival to appease the dead or to exercise evil spirits. So customs included offerings to the spirits, particularly offerings of beans. (laughs) I don't know why. Beans. (laughs) Beans. (laughs) I can't even do it. That one girl on TikTok, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. Um, I don't know why it was beans, um, but the head of the household would wake up during the night and would throw out beans. He'd toss some beans around um, and say the incantation, with these beans, I redeem me and mine nine times. Um, after that, the head of the household would bang pots and pans just uh, just to wake up all those spirits. Um, while saying, ghosts of my fathers and ancestors be gone nine times. Um, 
So this All I is... can think of is the meme of the lady. <laughs> I ain't getting no sleep because of y'all. Y'all not gonna get no sleep because of me. Exactly. It's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is directly related to the founding myth of the city of Rome. So for a pope in the seventh century to rededicate a former Roman temple to the Virgin Mary and all martyrs on the day of this festival, the festival of the dead, it's clearly not a coincidence. It was a rebranding. It was a marketing campaign. Like it was the rollout of the new way of doing things in the seventh century. Just over a hundred years after that consecration of the Pantheon, Pope Gregory III gave a sermon in St. Peter's Basilica to the relics, quote, of the holy apostles and of all saints, martyrs, and confessors, of all the just made perfect who are at rest throughout the world, unquote. Some sources say that Pope Gregory III gave this sermon on November 1st, and that is why the date became All Saints Day. But other sources say that that's not true. They say that Gregory III held a synod on November 1st, 731, and that the topic of the synod was related to the saints and martyrs. Um, In particular, it was to condemn iconoclasm, so to try to prevent the destruction of icons and monuments to certain saints that was happening. But that, so they, yeah, that did happen, but he actually gave the All Saints Sermon on a different day. They say it was on Palm Sunday, 732. So that connection is disputed, um, that origin story. By, I started off kind of weird there. (laughs) I like immediately ran out of breath. That was actually really scary. What's happening? Um, By the year 800, we have evidence that certain churches are holding feasts to commemorate all saints on November 1st, particularly in Ireland, Northumbria, and Bavaria, or Bavaria. Several Irish martyrologies dating from this time state that the Feast of All Saints is on November 1st. But why that day? Why was that day chosen? And why did it start in Ireland, Northumbria? which would eventually become part of England and randomly Germany. Like, why were those the three places? Um, Well, I will tell you. We have evidence that in the late 790s, an English clergyman and student of the Archbishop of York named... A lovely name. Is it a family name? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's in the family. Um, Alquin. I'm going to go with Alquin. Um, So this guy, Alquin, recommended that the feast be celebrated on that day. We actually have a letter from Alquin of Northumbria to his friend Arno, Bishop of Salzburg, recommending this change and after the suggestion was accepted the bishop of salzburg used his influence with charlemagne to introduce the irish northumbrian feast of all saints to the frankish kingdom why did this happen why that day what's going on there um i will leave that to you to tell us later um When the Frankish Empire, under the rule of Charlemagne, became the Holy Roman Empire, 
that's when we really start to see convergence of all the different traditions. Obviously, not just in this case, but with all the church holidays and practices. So the November 1st Feast of All Saints was made a holy day of obligation in 835 under the decree of Emperor Louis the Pious. And by the 12th century, the original May 13th date of the feast had been deleted from all the liturgical books. In the 15th century, the Feast of All Saints was made an octave, meaning it was celebrated for eight days in a row. But in 1955, this was suppressed by Pope Pius XII, among many other reforms that he instituted, which is why it's now a triduum instead of an octave. But it was an octave for centuries. Um, So that is All Saints Day. And working from that, we can talk about Halloween and All Souls Day. So Halloween is a contraction of hallow, meaning saint, and evening. So it's All Hallows' Eve, the vigil of All Saints' Day. Just like we have Easter Vigil and Christmas Vigil, we also have All Saints' Vigil, and that's Halloween. All Hallows' Eve had become like folded into the celebration of All Saints' Day throughout Europe by like the 12th century. Customs in medieval Europe of the celebration of Halloween included ringing church bells for the souls in purgatory and the custom of souling or baking and distributing these things called soul cakes, which are like these little round shortbread type things with crosses in them, um, like hot cross buns. Solers mostly children and poor people, would go door-to-door singing and saying prayers for the dead of the households they visited in exchange for soul cakes. It was traditional for Christians to abstain from meat on All Hallows' Eve as well, and people would participate in guising or dressing in costume because it was believed that the souls of the departed wandered the earth until All Saints' Day, And All Hallows' Eve was their last chance to gain vengeance on their enemies before moving on to the next world. So obviously this is sounding familiar. These are things we still do on Halloween. Dress up in costume, beg for candy. Churches would also display relics of saints at vigil masses. The churches that were too poor to afford real relics (laughs) um, might have... For example, uh, parishioners who would dress up as different saints, um, which is very dorky, but like I also love it unironically. I'm Um, just imagining a fundraiser though, where they're like, We are petitioning to get the left hand of Saint (laughs) So and so. Yeah, we want we want the right hand of Teresa of Avila and (laughs) Francisco Franco's like, you couldn't afford it, honey. He just keeps it in his pocket at all times. Um, yeah, I love that too. Like we would love, look, we all know that the thigh bone of St. Catherine is out of budget, <laughs> but how great would it be <laughs> to have the toenail <laughs> of St. Lucy? <laughs> and the, what a for dream. every tier you meet of donations, <laughs> we are prepared to give you. <laughs> I love it. Love, love, love. Um, So the custom of dressing up as saints um, continues today. Um, I remember when I was in Sunday school, if all saints fell on or near the weekend, we would have a saint parade and we would dress up as a saint and parade around 
the sad little gymnasium. That feels really dorky. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's extremely dorky. You're correct. Um, Who are you? I'm Francis of Assisi. <laughs> <laughs> we had, I don't think I ever dressed up as a saint, not because I didn't want to. I actually very much wanted to. But the thing about me was that um, as a child and still kind of today, I would go to church on Sunday and I would go to Sunday school. And then for the rest of the week, I would just absolutely forget about everything. It was as if like mind wipe men in black. Exactly. It was as if like the the weekend me and the weekday me were two completely different people. Except for like the, the constant shame and guilt (laughs) that I carried with me. (laughs) What a nice through line. (laughs) Right. That's the common denominator of my life um, (laughs) as a Catholic person. I feel Um, like they instill that in you purposely and young. So for sure. You're, you're, you're correct about that for sure. Um, (laughs) I don't feel like unpacking that right now. (laughs) Um, and you don't get paid enough for me to unpack that right now. Nope. So, um, yeah, I never dressed up as a saint in the saint parade, but I do remember there was this one kid I went to Sunday school with, who, and you're in Sunday school together for, like, the whole 12 years. So, like, he would always dress up, and he would have the most, like, sick-ass costumes, and I was always really jealous. <laughs> anyway, um, what the fuck am I talking about? Okay. Um, other symbols of All Hallowtide included fire. That was a big thing um, because it was thought to guide the wandering spirits on the right path. So people would light candles for their dead loved ones called soul lights, and the candles would either be placed on the grave or throughout the family home. And obviously, we still we still see that same type of thing today. Like we haven't really strayed at all in the way that we think about like our dead loved ones, I don't think. It was widely believed in medieval Europe that on Halloween night, the skeletons of the dead would rise from their graves in the churchyard and dance, a phenomenon referred to as the dance macabre. I love that song. Same. Did you ever sing like the kid version of it? Or is that just my school that made up lyrics to that song? We did not. How did it go? H-A-L-L-O-W-E-E-N spells Halloween. Oh, that song. That's so cute. And would you like dress up as skeletons or would people dress up as them and like dance around? No, we just sat in the classroom. We watched that video, the animated version of it. But yeah, I always thought that that was the legitimate like lyrics to that song. And so I Googled it and I could never find it. And then I found... Um, the dance macabre and it did not have words to it and I was very confused so I think that my um, elementary school music teacher perhaps made up the lyrics um if she did that's amazing it definitely helped me spell Halloween all those fucking double letters <laughs> do you still sing it to yourself when you're trying to spell it um no but I do still say Wednesday so. Wednesday I say Wednesday and I say b-a-n-a-n-a-s <laughs> Even though I don't need to with that one, I just feel like it. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, yeah. So if you don't know what the heck we're talking about, you've seen it before. It's the skeletons holding hands and dancing and being skeletons. You know it. 
Um, just doing skeleton things. Just skeleton things. So this was represented in like paintings and carvings and people would dress up as the skeletons. So for example, one skeleton might be dressed as a peasant. The other one might be dressed as a king. Um, so it's a really good like encapsulation of medieval European culture and like their views on death, basically. Um, it's a reminder that death comes for us all, regardless of our station in life. So that was a huge tradition on Halloween. Um, these All Hallows' Eve customs came under intense scrutiny during the Reformation, especially in Britain, because Protestant doctrine, doctrine either places less emphasis on purgatory or outright rejects the idea of purgatory. And if there's no purgatory, like if that's not a place where souls go, if they either are in heaven or hell and that's it, then the spirits who are being appeased or otherwise interacted with during All Hallowtide can't really be the wandering spirits of our loved ones. Like they must be evil spirits that we're interacting with. So that's where we see the shift from thinking about Halloween or All Hallowtide as memento mori, reminder that you will die, and just like a natural part of the life cycle toward the idea of like evil spirits and ghosts and creepy shit. Um, the Protestants were like, that looks entirely too much fun. The, no. <laughs> the Protestants are like, under no circumstances can we enjoy this. This is ridiculous. Um, but it backfired because now Halloween is way more fun <laughs> um, in a way that they definitely didn't intend. So if you want to make a Protestant angry, enjoy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've already sort of gotten into All Souls Day. I realized near the end of my research that it's really difficult to talk about like one of the three days on its own without like going into other territory so it might have been a mistake to even try to separate them out but they each have like a separate history anyways um all souls day or day of the dead or this is a mouthful commemoration of all the faithful departed <laughs> i guess my favorite holiday <laughs> what a banger top of the list <laughs> um what a vibe um happy happy commemoration of all the faithful departed <laughs> if they made me say that at like Walmart <laughs> as people left, I think I'm ever available to run. What'd you say? Yes. So that holiday, All Souls Day, we'll call it, is celebrated on November 2nd and is a day of prayer for and remembrance of the souls who have died, particularly if the death is recent. So every year during All Souls Day Mass, Candles will be lit for parishioners or their loved ones who have died since the previous All Souls Day. Um, and again, that emphasis comes from the medieval belief that All Hallowtide is the soul's last chance to settle their affairs in some way. Um, of course, obviously, you can remember all loved ones who have passed during this day, not just <laughs> the ones in the previous calendar year. Like you're not <laughs> limited to that. Um, but there is emphasis on those people. Um, the doctrinal basis for the celebration of the Feast of All Souls can actually be found in the Old Testament 
in the second book of Maccabees, in which Judah Maccabee, the Jewish priest who led the, is it pronounced Maccabean? I would guess Maccabean revolt. Um, Judah takes up a collection for his fallen soldiers and offers it as a sacrifice for their sins. So beginning with verse 43, the text says, quote, in doing this, he acted in a very excellent and noble way inasmuch as he had the resurrection in mind. For if he were not expecting the fallen to rise again, it would it would have been superfluous and foolish to pray for the dead. But if he did this with a view of the splendid reward that awaits those who had gone to rest in godliness, it was a holy and pious thought. Thus he made atonement for the dead that they might be absolved from their sin, unquote. So this practice had already existed at least 150 years before Jesus was born. Um, before Christianity was even a thing. There's evidence of prayer for the dead in the early church. So we have like prayers carved into the stone in the catacombs of like Roman martyrs. Um, We have early church fathers writing extensively about this practice as well. So it was a thing forever, basically the whole history of the church. Um, In the 6th century, Benedictine monasteries had a custom of praying for their deceased members on Pentecost, so again right around Easter. Meanwhile, in Spain, they chose the Monday following Pentecost, but then over in Germany, they were celebrating on December 17th, and in Saxony, it was October 1st. So it wasn't standardized until the publication of a particular hagiography in the year 1063. In the hagiography of St. Odilo of Cluny, who was an abbot of the Benedictine Abbey of Cluny in France, there is a story about St. Odilo speaking with a pilgrim who has come to the abbey to meet with him after experiencing something concerning on the way home from the Holy Land where he was on pilgrimage. So here's the excerpt of the story. Quote, a pilgrim returning from the Holy Land was cast by a storm on a desolate island where dwelt a hermit. From him, he learned that amid the rocks was a chasm communicating with purgatory, from which rose perpetually the groans of tortured souls. The hermit asserted that he had also heard the demons complaining of the efficacy of the prayers of the faithful, and especially of the monks of Cluny, in rescuing their victims. On returning home, the pilgrim hastened to inform the abbot of Cluny, who forthwith set apart the 2nd of November as a day of intercession on the part of his community for all the souls in purgatory. So the abbot St. Odilo made it official that the Abbey of Cluny and all the other Cluniac abbeys would celebrate All Souls Day on November 2nd, and that those who were requesting a mass be offered for their departed loved ones should make an offering to the poor, in reference to the Old Testament passage. The new date and customs spread from the Cluniac monasteries to other Benedictine monasteries and eventually to the entire church. The Diocese of Liege was the first one to adopt the practice. The date of December 2nd was finally adopted in Italy in the 13th century. Um, And then skipping forward to the 15th century, the Dominican order instituted a custom of each priest offering three masses on the Feast of All Souls. Normally, a priest is only really supposed to say one Mass a day. Um, There are obviously exceptions to that rule, especially in modern times, because we have like a pretty critical priest shortage. 
Um, but ideally a priest should only say one mass per day, except for all souls day. So the Dominicans started that custom in the 15th century, but it didn't quite catch on until world war one. During World War I, Pope Benedict XV granted priests the permission of offering three masses on All Souls Day because of the sheer amount of war casualties and the amount of like destroyed churches. Um, so this permission still stands. All Souls Day is celebrated in many different Christian denominations. Some of them celebrated on different days or have different customs. Um, in Austria, for example, the bedroom of the deceased is kept warm and food is left out for them. In the French province of Brittany, people will pour an offering of holy water or milk on their deceased loved one's graves. In Malta, roast pig is traditionally eaten, which comes from an older custom in which a pig was set loose in the village with a bell around its neck and everybody would feed it. And then it would be eaten by the poor. I would not do well there. I'd get attached and I'd steal it. <laughs> I'd steal it. And I'd I take would... it home and I'd dress it. <laughs> what would happen if I just like took the bell off? Would you be able to tell it from any other pig? No, probably not. Saved. Saved. <laughs> Easy, easy. <laughs> At one point you're living in a house with like 16 like full-grown hogs. <laughs> Those things get big. They're like, gee, I wonder where they went. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, I would not do well with that either. I would feed the pig and then I would, yeah, I would get attached. I would um, have to hate the pig <clears throat> and never feed the pig. <laughs> hate the pig. I fucking hate that pig. I can't wait till that pig dies. Um, I would have to be that way. I couldn't get attached in any way, shape, or form. True. So like Wilbur the pig in Charlotte's Web, I would die before I ate him. But the ugly pig that wins the state fair, I could eat him no problem. I wouldn't feel bad about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Empathy's weird. <laughs> yep. Empathy for cartoon characters. Weird vibe. So that's what they did in Malta. In Mexico, Dia de los Muertos is celebrated on the 1st and 2nd of November and has a much less solemn tone than you would find in Catholic churches in Europe or America, for example. So it's like bright colors, parties, family time. It's much more of a joyful celebration in Mexico than most other places. In the modern Catholic church, we've moved away from some of the more medieval customs. So we've updated the language in certain parts of the mass celebrated on All Souls Day. Um, for example, we no longer have the Dies Irae or the Day of Wrath sequence, um, which was a traditional part of funeral masses for centuries. Um, the reason that we don't have it anymore is um, it's super depressing and bleak <laughs> and scary, um, which I personally like. So I wanted to play a little bit of it. <laughs> you get the idea the words are like <laughs> we are all dead like the world is on fire like it sounds nice and pretty but it's very dark that's dan brown vibes 
Yes. And so it's in pop culture everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like if you look for it, it's literally everywhere. Like Star Wars, Lion King. Oh, wait, that's the thing that it's the first four notes that people mim- mimic all the time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, they even put it in Squid Game or whatever. I watched some stupid video on it a couple days It ago. is everywhere. It's like stuck in our consciousness, even if we don't know where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Those which, four notes mean death. Death. Yep. Um, which I love. And but we got rid of it because some people found it a bit upsetting, I guess. <laughs> so the church does still observe some really old customs on all, all on All Souls Day, like reciting the Office of the Dead and granting indulgences. Um, a plenary indulgence, which is the remission of the entire punishment for sin, can be obtained on behalf of the souls in purgatory. So not for yourself. Uh, so it can be obtained on behalf of the souls in purgatory on or in the week following All Souls Day by the faithful who visit a cemetery and pray for the dead. So that's kind of a brief history of the Catholic perspective on Halloween, All Saints Day, and All Souls Day, which collectively make up the triduum of All Hallowtide. I was always interested in all Saints Day and All Souls Day, especially when I was in high school, because you get into like researching the origins of things and you can't research the origins of Halloween without running into those mm-hmm. two holidays. Uh, but I never could quite wrap my head around what they were. And I think it's just because there was so much history and uh, history to them. And then also just the way that Catholicism works. And I am in a much better place now to understand what the fuck purgatory is, um, (laughs) for example. Well, I think it's interesting. Like, I didn't know that um, Halloween wasn't always supposed to be, like, creepy and scary. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought it was just always kind of like that. But, like, why would it be? You know, I'd never even thought about it. Yeah, I was definitely... researched a lot about Halloween whenever I was in high school because I I when you become a pagan or a witch you go through that really like angry rebellious part of like becoming a pagan or a witch where you're like fuck everybody they stole all my Mm. shit yeah um (laughs) you research (laughs) literally everything um Mm -hmm. Just so you can start arguments with the <laughs> Christians in with, your class who put Bibles in your locker. With the Christians. They really did put Bibles in our lockers sometimes if wow. they found out that we weren't Christian. So that's the kind of area we were from. Wow. But yeah, um, it's it's been so long since I've looked into a lot of that stuff. And I never looked it up again. So now I have an understanding of what the hell the other two holidays are that come after Halloween are. Yeah. Yeah. And and I didn't go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't know a lot of that stuff either. So it's good to know the things that I'm supposed to be celebrating (laughs) that I, for some reason, never like stuck in my brain. I think there's just so many holidays and feast days and special occasions in the church Mm -hmm. that you cannot be expected to remember all of them as a child in Sunday school. And that's really the only formal 
or education. Even as an adult, I complain about our Sabbaths all being the same. How am I mm-hmm. supposed to remember one harvest festival from another harvest festival? <laughs> They're all harvest festivals. It's all harvest. Yeah. It's all harvest. Because um, humanity is all about eating. So, yeah. It's food, sun, seasons. We're just supposed to lay in the sun and eat fruit. But that's what I would like to get to as a person. Yeah. I would like to get beyond Walmart to a place where I can <laughs> lie in the sun and eat fruit. Eat fruit. Yeah. Do you think this is a hard left, hard left turn? <laughs> Do you think that Gen Z is going to be super susceptible to like becoming cult followers? Yes. Like literal cult followers. Yes. Because they're all socialist anarchists. I think they're going to start cults. Um, yeah. Unintentionally. Yeah. And follow cults unintentionally, I think. I don't think that they're the kind of people to join a cult with like 2,000 plus people in mm. it. Like everybody flocks to it. I see right. their generation as the generation that they're like fucking 2,000 cults and they mm-hmm. have like 30 people apiece. Yeah, like a million different communes. Yes, that's yeah. what I see from them. And I see the cult part, stop it, being <laughs> unintentional. Because uh-huh. I know even uh, younger millennials talk about wanting to um, get a property with their friends and mm-hmm. like farm and all of that. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, it's, I feel like they would do that and then it would accidentally turn into a cult. Yeah, one of them gets TikTok famous. And then it's all downhill. Yes. (laughs) Can't wait to watch that. Me too. (laughs) I like Gen Z. Like I I, do. I enjoy their absolute lack of filter. Yeah. um, That they they will fight anyone, anytime. They will punch a cop in the face. They don't give a shit. But they're scared to ask for ketchup. (laughs) Yes. Um. And I vibe with that. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was a weird digression. <laughs> we can do your thing now. <laughs> so, uh, kind of like you, I don't really have a story today like we would normally tell mm-hmm. a story, but not really a narrative. Um, there's no witch, there's no vampire, there's no werewolf, there's no trial or anything. Last year for Halloween, I did the Salem witch trials and mm-hmm. you and I were together um, <laughs> doing stuff, stuff with a capital S. Um, that makes it sound like we were fucking. <laughs> no. We weren't. We just got really high. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> we were just getting really high together, hallucinating noises. <laughs> that was scary. That was a scary time. Um, anyway, that was last year. This year, I'm alone in my apartment, and the trees still haven't really changed color. They're still pretty green. Um, we had tornadoes two uh-huh. days ago for yeah. literally no fucking reason because it decided to be 80 degrees out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just going to talk about Samhain. Um, cool. Origins to modern celebrations and also Halloween. Nice. There 
is barely a story, barely a hint of a narrative whenever it comes to Samhain, because there is no one person who started it. There's no first festival we have record of. There's no decree or anything. Yeah. Um, There's no real clear path that it takes through history. It's Mm -hmm. just sort of there everywhere in this complicated historians disagree and we have an incomplete picture way. Mm -hmm. So first order of business, it's Samhain or Sowin, not Sam Hain, Mm -hmm. Um, which if you learn that you're ahead of 90% of Hollywood, Um, (laughs) you can join me in cringing at horror movies and ghost shows. Um, I cringe so hard when people or characters are supposed to be like scholars or witches in something and uh-huh. they're like on oh, Sam Hain, it's like <laughs> you clearly have never read a fucking book in your life. But that's super embarrassing because like on the set of like a TV show or a film, like there it's someone's job to know that. If I can Google the pronunciation of a German city 30 seconds before I have to say it using my cell phone, Mm -hmm. um, surely you can figure out how to say Samhain for something that is going to be preserved forever in television. Yeah, it's really not that hard. It's really not. Um, Samhain has a debated etymology. The most common etymology that you'll find in articles that people say is the etymology, 100% fact, they won't even tell you that it's a theory, um, is really just a theory that Samhain is Old Irish for summer's end, which is Mm -hmm. based entirely on the fact that it sort of looks like the word for summer. Um, (laughs) Why would a non-summer festival have the word summer in it? We don't know. Maybe if it meant summer's end. Um, That's the whole theory. (laughs) Sounds good to me. That's like one of of our theories. (laughs) (laughs) Which means... They could have done better. They could have done better. <laughs> so much better. <laughs> we should not be the standard. Um, no. Old Irish should be your hint that we're dealing with the Celts whenever it comes to Samhain's origin, though some scholars argue that Samhain predates the Celts and that the sunrise around Samhain pairs up with some Neolithic sites correctly in the area. Whoa. So it could be uh, upwards of like 2,500 years old. very old i can't even comprehend that amount of time neither can i i think of the fact that it's 2021 and then i try and subtract that and that's as far as my brain goes i'm like year zero um in which i know nothing that happened in year zero (laughs) right well jesus was born there were some sand and some rocks and people there was some ice maybe or no that was a different time i'm sure there was somewhere Yeah, damn it, I'm right. (laughs) Year zero is the land of deserts. There's no ice in sight. Right. Uh... (laughs) And I'm stupid. (laughs) The woolly mammoths walk the earth. In the desert. (laughs) Yeah, that's why they went extinct. It was too hot for them. (laughs) Anyway... I am not sure if we will ever know exactly where Samhain originates or when it specifically dates to. And this, this is my personal opinion. 
I think it would be difficult to extricate it completely from similar festivals and beliefs that were occurring alongside it in history. Mm. I mean, this area is not the only one to correlate winter's arrival and plants dying with spirits in the dead. That's pretty common all across the world. Right. Um, It's not the only group of people to reach out to their gods right before dipping into months of darkness and cold and scarcity of food. I'm pretty sure it was a scary time and people wanted help. I'm scared Um, right now. (laughs) And I have a home with electricity. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, And unfortunately, we don't have a we don't have perfect documentation whenever it comes to the Celts, like historic documentation of the Celts. Uh, We cannot say for certain how ancient Celts celebrated Samhain. This is partially due to the fact that records of Samhain come from folklore for the most part, um, hmm. these are oral stories that were written down by Christian monks in the seventh century and later. Uh, Christian monks who absolutely did not change a single word, single no. aspect of anything that they recorded. Yeah, that's a fact. Mm-hmm. And even if and where the traditions are accurately recorded, it's muddied by the fact that we're getting these traditions by way of mythology rather than historic record. Mm. That's like if you tried to figure out how the UK worked from Harry Potter. So, (laughs) (laughs) Which, honestly, that's where a lot of my knowledge comes from. Exactly. Which is why it's wrong. (laughs) Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, so uh, that's one issue. Other documentation on the Celts comes from the Romans, who, like the monks, definitely had absolutely no agenda whenever Mm -hmm. it came to writing down anything about the Celts. Mm -hmm. And I found that there are several quote-unquote scholars I ran into that wrote in like the 1600s or later and they made like these suppositions um about like things that happened during Samhain what Mm -hmm. the ancient Celts did yeah but they they didn't cite like any sources for any of their stuff and it would get like through a whole list of like what the Celts did and then it would be like and we don't know where this information came from and be like well I would hope (laughs) Right. No, could point me in one direction. (laughs) Right. Literally just a hint would be nice. A single direction. Um, And I saw a lot of these facts in particular regurgitated across the internet as being the truth. So, Mm. like, anytime I came across something there, like, this is what the ancient druids did uh, for sound. It's like, I don't know a lot about the druids i know that from my other research so Mm -hmm. somebody telling me that we know in depth exactly what the druids customs were um strikes me a little odd yeah uh and then i found out that this is a person they're like oh yeah we we don't know all of his sources but these (laughs) this is like some of the most popular facts (laughs) yeah they're not facts right anyway this is my way of saying that i was distrustful of a lot of the info that i ran across this week as you should be generally in life nearly everyone said 100 these are the ancient Samhain customs this is what the celts did and then gave no citations and i'm distrustful of things without citations even if that information comes from national geographic or the history channel or time magazine which 
you can find articles and documentaries in any of those places on Samhain, and hmm. you will not find a single citation in maybe all but one of them and in like wow. one paragraph. Wow. Um, I don't care if you're the History Channel. If you're not telling me where you got your information, I don't believe you. Right. Well, why should you? Especially because the History Channel has TV shows about aliens and shit. <laughs> they have ancient aliens. Exactly. As, as, lost your credibility with as me. we've seen on this show <laughs> when I accidentally read that one guy's manifesto oh my god I was so <laughs> embarrassed oh yeah did he have a weird beard or something <laughs> he had a very weird beard oh yes it was all him quite long and scraggly <laughs> <laughs> um it was also just immensely difficult to find academic sources and like the deluge of blog posts and clickbait articles and personal websites. So mm. sue me, but I did rely on Wikipedia a lot because it's about the only place that had a work cited and had an extensive list of sources that weren't like I have new.wordpress.com. So mm-hmm. just- <laughs> I use Wikipedia a lot too. So I don't no think shame. there's any issues in it. I do try to fact check it, especially when I know I'm working with something that comes from another language. I feel things get left out, but for yeah. the most part, I don't, I feel like it's pretty good. It's a and pretty good resource. It is. Yeah. And a lot of times on Wikipedia, Wikipedia, you can tell when they're directly quoting something and, and then, then you, you can, go find it and it's literally just a copy and paste word job. for word yeah and you're like oh okay at least I know like what they got it from mm-hmm. so then I can know whether I believe it or not but yeah yeah um so Samhain Samhain for the Celts is one of their four fire festivals mm. and you are going to start to hear a lot of things I think that sound very similar to things that you said mm-hmm. um fire being one of them. Um, I'm betting that you would recognize the names of the other three fire festivals, even though you're not a witch in bulk Beltane and Lunasa. Yes. Yeah. Um, those are the big ones. Mm-hmm. Samhain was a multi-day festival centering around October 31st. They say multi-day, um, to be vague because some people said it was three days starting with October 31st. Some people said it was six days. Some people said it was seven. I think that's a way of saying we have no fucking clue and we're just making shit up. Um, but multi-day. Mm-hmm. It is a harvest festival. It's about survival, community, spirits, the ancestors saying goodbye to the sun and hello to months of darkness and cold. Bonfires were a big element of Samhain, which you can probably guess because it's a fire festival (laughs) because it's fucking cold outside (laughs) yeah it's a fire festival but this is just water everywhere fire hydrants you run through sprinklers um no (laughs) stupid uh bonfires because (laughs) smoke and fire are cleansing um Mm. which you can see pretty much anywhere like the way you cleanse a house is with smoke right um i'm sure fire is extremely cleansing just literally burns up everything leaves nothing behind uh yeah certainly no dirt left behind so yeah just gets rid of it Mm -hmm. uh celts had divination rituals centered around the fire um i didn't really write them down you can go look them up if you want to 
Uh, but they also, and this is what I wanted to focus on, set up two bonfires for people to walk between with their cattle. So two bonfires and you would walk in the path between them through the heat and the smoke because when you emerged on the other side, you were cleansed. Mm. So this is a very big thing. Um, there's also some record that the Celts would douse the fires in their own homes, then use the community bonfire to relight their hearths so that all homes would be burning with the same fire, which Ooh. brings the community together. I have weird chills all over my body. Why? <laughs> I wrote that I like the idea that very, like a lot. I find it extremely comforting. Yeah. Like if I ever went to, even if I just went to, not even a ritual, if I just went to a friend's house and they'd let me borrow the fire off of like their candle and I mm. took it home and, and you lit take it my home. candle in, isn't that just so sweet, that little connection? Yes, it's intimate. Yeah, there's just, there's sometimes I run across things that I can just feel like how powerful they are. Yeah. Like that is special. That has yep. power to it. That goes back to the caveman days, <laughs> for sure. Right in the instincts. Yes. Um, as you can imagine, being ancient and being pagan, uh, there's probably no real surprise that you will find feasting connected to Samhain or animal sacrifice to a god for good favor connected to Samhain. Hmm. Um, some sources mention human sacrifice, but nothing that can really be verified. I'm not saying that pagans didn't ever participate in human sacrifice, full stop, but sometimes they were just effigies instead mm-hmm. of actual humans. And often the people who made note of the human sacrifice were not friends with whoever may or may not have been doing it. So we have to take that into consideration whenever we come across these accounts. You can't just say like, oh, there was human sacrifice, take it at face value. Right. Um, you have to extricate it from the fact that like, if it was the Romans who wrote it down, the Romans have an agenda writing down that the Celts did human sacrifice. Right. So. The agenda being, look how justified it is to massacre the entire race of people. And for us to take them over and indoctrinate them and assimilate them into our way of life. Yeah. These heathens and savages. Right. Um, so yeah, just look a little deeper sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, in regard to feasting, a popular Samhain custom was and is something called the dumb supper and not dumb like stupid. <laughs> um, it's dumb like mute because you do not talk during mm. the summer. So like my family dinners growing up. <laughs> really <laughs> tense. <laughs> yes. A um, lot of uncomfortable chewing. Anyway, so they're quiet. No talking during supper. No talking because it's a supper where your ancestors' spirits are invited to dine with you because Samhain is a threshold holiday where the veil mm. between the worlds are thin. Mm. As these centuries go on, other customs are documented as part of Samhain, some of which, again, you will recognize. Um, and you have already called attention to some of these things. Sorry. So, no, you're you're fine because now you're going to see how, like, hard it is to pull these things apart mm-hmm. because you can debate whether it was Christian or whether it was pagan. Right. So some of the customs are dressing up in costume and mm-hmm. also going door to door, which mm-hmm. are known as guising and mumming. Oh, um, yeah. 
I've read that the Celts dressed up like spirits to win good favor from the spirits. I've also read that they dressed up like spirits to fool the spirits or to scare them away. Um, Okay. Really depends what source you read across. As for mumming or going door to door, people would go from house to house and do things like sing or recite verses in exchange for food, which probably sounds extremely similar to the soul cake thing that you talked about. Right. There's sometimes the addendum that whether the house offered food or not would decide their future good fortune. And Mm. you'll see this, especially with hobby horse customs in Ireland and Wales, where people take this weird bone horse costume around door to door for offerings. Um, And in Wales in particular, I think it's for uh, midwinter, not necessarily for Samhain, but like the horse will recite verses and like you have to add to them. And if you can't, then the horse gets to come in your house. <laughs> Why does this sound so familiar? Um, it was a Tumblr post. Did you talk about it before in an earlier episode? I don't think that I have. Maybe I've seen the Tumblr post where it's, it's like, oh, the horse will like. The weird bone horse that just takes up like room in your house and you can't get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've definitely read that post. If you, yeah, it's about been it a couple show. of years, but the second I ran across that info, it's like, hmm, that was huh. lodged deep in my brain. <laughs> yeah. The bone horse that won't leave your house. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> um, side note that you can see how mumming and Christmas caroling might be cousins. Mm, um, yeah. So that's really interesting and fun to think about Christmas and Halloween being so closely tied. Um, mm-hmm. There is mention of playing pranks around the time of Samhain and blaming behavior on spirits or fairies, which would be very active anyway. And this mixed with guising and mumming may be how we ended up with trick-or-treating mm. modern day. And how I said that not being able to tell us something is Christian or pagan, I say that this may be how we ended up with it because other people will argue that it's the like soul cake tradition that's mixed in there instead. And that's how we get trick or treating. Right. So um, things are so similar and so borrowed and so mixed together that it's really hard to tell exactly what originates where. Right. Uh, Celts also carve turnips into faces, which is Cute. probably. Something you saw on one of those Halloween fun fact sheets uh, as a kid. What did they carve into jack-o'-lanterns before pumpkins? Right. Was it a squash? No. Was it a watermelon? <laughs> no. <laughs> right, because they had watermelons in yeah. like medieval Ireland. <laughs> but you're a kid and like turnips on the list and you're thinking like turnip like this fucking big. It's like a watermelon feels more logical than a turnip. Right. right. So Turns out no. No, in fact, the turnip. Go look (laughs) up a picture of those carved turnips. They're really fucking creepy. I'm going to look it up right now. I'm looking it up right now. They're creepy. Celtic turnip carving. Oh, that came up. Oh, my God. They look like little shrunken heads. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of these. (laughs) (laughs) They're definitely scary. I don't know Um, what they were intending to do. It's like a, it's like a vintage jack-o'-lantern. Like before, Uh before toys became cute, 
when they were just like flat out terrified. Have you ever seen like a vintage Halloween costume that feels like they're out of like a snuff film? Like (laughs) (laughs) it's so scary. They're terrifying. Like a little boy who's dressed as a clown, but like the eyebrows are like really angular and like bad. And like imagine that at the foot of your bed in the middle of the night. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of vintage Halloween costumes. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um turnips turned into pumpkins, and I'm going to use that as my segue into talking about modern celebrations of Samhain and Halloween. Got it. You talked about the popes and the moving of the holidays and the Christianization. Um, I'm glancing over that, but essentially to say why on earth would they pick October 31st to put their holiday on? Because it's a pagan's holiday. Why not? Right. Um, Wow. We have this entire expanse of time where possibly could we sit our holiday Uh just, just where there's already a holiday. Sure. So that's why it's there. And um, I'm going to talk about the, like the two modern versions of Samhain that we have. One being Halloween or Mm -hmm. All Hallows Eve, which retained a lot of the pagan elements and traditions of Samhain, which we've seen the dressing up, the going door to door, the playing tricks, Mm -hmm. um, all of that, the, the connections to the dead. And then it became incredibly commercialized over the centuries into aisles of cheap candy and mm. slutty nun costumes, which I say affectionately. <laughs> I, I have a fondness for Halloween, especially my childhood memories of Halloween. And I yeah. do like how fun the holiday is compared to some other, like, you can't say that Easter's kind of fun, but it's fun like as long as there's an egg hunt and then it's just Easter. You just well, eat with the family. Well, all other holidays have like a family obligation, but Halloween yeah. doesn't. You just go out and you can get fucking drunk in public and stagger yeah. through town dressed like, I don't know, a magician. <laughs> What's your favorite Halloween costume you costume you've ever had? Um, one comes to mind, um, and it's one of those things that was uh, not that offensive when I was a kid, but is now <laughs> a problem. Oh no! Um, well, I dressed up as a geisha when I was a kid, and mm-hmm. now that's cultural appropriation, so right. it's not good. But the reason that I liked it is I was absolutely obsessed with Japan whenever I was younger, like learning Japanese, and I had books on the archaeology and the history, and that was just one of the things I was hyper fixated on for mm-hmm. like two years of my life. Mm-hmm. But my stepmom handmade my costume. So it wasn't anything that I bought. Like she sat down and she handmade me my costume, which is why I remember it affectionately. Yeah. Because she just put a lot of love and care into this thing that I cared about so much. Oh, that's really nice. (laughs) Um, I was Eowyn from Lord of the Rings in like fourth grade. I think my dad made me like a wooden sword and everything. Very cute. The shit out of people. (laughs) And I just, I was whacking the crap out of everybody. I just, (laughs) no, but I did like attack several trees in like a very dramatic way. (laughs) The way that kids do, where you are always the star of a movie that's always running. And I don't think I outgrew that. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, you sit in the car, you stare at the window, like dramatically listening to music in a music like, video. Yeah, um, this is like, my this world. Is the sad part of my movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the main character. Um, <laughs> most recently, though, I think my best costume has been Nancy Kerrigan. I like put a bloody bandage around my knee and everything, and a little tutu. Mm-hmm. I was extremely proud of that costume. I don't think I've seen pictures. And I haven't dressed up since then, which is kind of sad. And I don't have plans to this year either. I got old and busy. Yeah. And it's no fun to dress up when you don't have friends to go out with. Right. You have a fucking 50 page paper due. Right. Yeah. And like around here, there's really no place to like trick or treat because it would be funny because we're like the youngest people in the whole neighborhood so if we like trick-or-treated at like old people's houses but I was like what could I wear and then I was like hmm maybe what I'll do is I'll buy like a cheap like dress from Goodwill like an old like vintage looking prom dress and I'll just cover myself in fake blood and just like stagger down the main road of the neighborhood in my bare feet like and then suddenly there is a new rule from the HOA <laughs> they just mentioned me by name in the their <laughs> next HOA meeting uh yeah so I don't think I'll be Carrie this year but maybe next year now I want to watch Carrie yeah sorry um you're fine uh so Halloween mm-hmm um, and then we have Samhain, as celebrated by modern witches, which is still called Samhain. Um, and I'm going to take a moment to talk about that for a second, because I am assuming that people already know that how, how Halloween is celebrated. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I wrote that, I put, do other countries celebrate Halloween? Question mark. Um, because I started to doubt myself and wondered if it was one of those weird American things that we think everybody does. But... <laughs> like Thanksgiving? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I, I think most like English speaking or English speaking adjacent countries do, like European countries. I think most of them do. Okay, please correct me if I am mistaken. People who live from other countries, do you celebrate Halloween? Do you not celebrate Halloween? Do you celebrate it differently than we do? Yeah, and what was your favorite costume? Yeah, I would like, I want to know what Halloween looks like in other countries. Is it a big deal like it is here? Like it's, it's a thing for like two whole months. It's a big thing. You decorate your house. You go out to multiple parties, costume contests. Yeah. We have a bonfire at my home during the Halloween parade. We have a special parade in my town for Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a big deal here. Yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah. Anywho. Samhain is the seventh Sabbath on the Wheel of the Year, situated about halfway between Maybon or Mabon. Uh, I know I said that incorrectly. Um, I never put the emphasis on it correctly. <laughs> Mabon is what it is. Maybon or Mabon. The autumn equinox and Yule, the winter solstice. So um, that's pretty much how most Sabbaths are decided as like, equinox solstice and then you just kind of divvy up everything in between yeah 
Um, Samhain is generally celebrated the night of October 31st into the morning of November 1st, but that can change based on which hemisphere you live in, which I did not know. Some Hmm. people celebrate it in May. Okay. Um, or it can change if you're strictly following the astronomical calendar for the midway point between the equinox and the solstice and you want the precise day, I think then it falls closer to like November 6th. Hmm. Um, It can also change if you want to celebrate on a full moon closest to Samhain, or maybe you only have time to celebrate on a weekend because you have work. Mm -hmm. So there is no rule book, which is why Samhain celebrations look different from witch to witch. Some involve deity figures like the King of Winter. Some people celebrate as groups. Some people celebrate alone. You might see dumb suppers or people doing divination or seances or going on cemetery walks or chatting with ancestors or leaving them offerings or performing any number of rituals or ceremonies. The Southern Illinois Pagan Alliance, shout out, uh, just had their Samhain celebration this weekend. Hmm. Um, and I know they keep a running list of friends and family members and pets who have passed in the last calendar year Mm. and they honor them on Samhain, which reminded me of, uh, what you were talking about on all souls day. All souls day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They focus on shedding the past, banishing the bad, and they give moon charge tokens to the people who come, um, and, they just kind of focus on like moving into the new new habits, um, new aspects of life, new ventures. Um, have I been to a gathering with them? No, I have social anxiety, uh, but <laughs> they are on Facebook um, and I follow them and I read their posts and I do have a picture of their altar uh, from Salon that I might put on Instagram and credit them. Cool. It's a really cool altar. Uh, Samhain for witches is like most Sabbaths. It's whatever you want it to look like for you. Some, uh, for people who have altars, you will find anything from bird skulls to cornucopias of fruit to pictures of family. Fire is another popular thing to incorporate into the holiday, as are other things like nuts and berries and squash and mold wine and mead and wild game and pumpkins, along mm-hmm. with different herbs, which If you're a kitchen witch, you could put those into your foods. If you want to incorporate those into spells, you could incorporate them into spell work. Mm -hmm. In the past, I've spent time at cemeteries and talked to spirits on Samhain, which is kind of what I did with you when Mm -hmm. I went and saw you. Yeah, we Um, went to the little old cemetery. mm -hmm. It is usually a time of the year I make an effort to open up my dreams to anyone who wants to come say hi uh, (laughs) with crystals and prayers and meditation, which also usually means that I have a shit ton of nightmares (laughs) around this time of the year. Um, The night before last, I dreamt about two sisters who bludgeon their mom to death in her bed. Oh, my God. (laughs) The older sister dressed up as the mom and the younger sister dressed up as the older sister. And that's how they went around town every single day so that nobody like found out their mom was dead or Mm. got suspicious why they didn't have supervision. Mm -hmm. Um, But then a man figured out that they were wearing disguises um, and they murdered him. Oh, Um, (laughs) they sound lovely. (laughs) Yes. 
wonderful people. Um, and I already <laughs> told you my dream from last night. So yeah, I expect my dreams will continue to, to be weird for, for several days. Mm-hmm. Um, there are Celtic reconstructionists that try to celebrate Samhain as authentically as possible. I didn't write down how, but it's a reiteration of a lot of the things that I said, like walking between the two bonfires, um, honoring the ancestors, that kind of thing. So, um, definitely trying to dig through the records as much as possible to be as authentic as possible when it comes to their celebration. Yeah. Um, But for the most part, that is Samhain, old and new. Nice. That was good. I want to celebrate. Would it count if I like carve a a little affirmation onto a pumpkin pie. Yeah, it can literally be <laughs> anything. You can drink a glass of the cider and be like, rest in peace, grandma, on salad, and that's salad. So <laughs> that sounds great. I can do that. Yeah, it's literally whatever you want it to be, dude. I got some mulling spices just a little while ago. So I am going to make mulled wines pretty soon here. But the thing about mulled wine is that I'm not very good at drinking it. And I I end up. I wanted to like drinking it. And then I had it for the first time. (laughs) You didn't like it. It was like wine, but worse. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, which is the problem. No, I was not. It's like hot, dirty wine. <laughs> hot, dirty wine. No, I love a hot, dirty wine. <laughs> God, cannot get enough hot, dirty wine. You can have all the hot, dirty wine you want. <laughs> well, no, I can't. That would be irresponsible. <laughs> um, that was good. I feel I feel like I learned things. And as long as I learned something, then an episode was um productive. Yep. That's all that counts. Yeah. Crack a joke, throw a fact in there. Mm-hmm. Voila. An episode of Saints and Witches. That's the magic. It's an easy recipe. Yeah. I would like for people listening to tell us their favorite Halloween costume, send us pictures of it. That would be amazing. <laughs> we could post them on Instagram. Um, maybe I have a photo of me as Aowen. I definitely have my Nancy Kerrigan photo. I'll post that. You should. I will not be posting my cultural appropriation <laughs> <laughs> photo. I'm going to post it and cancel you. <laughs> going to end my career before it's begun. Yeah, so you will not see Liz as a tiny geisha. No, um, you shan't. But you will see me as slutty Nancy Kerrigan, which makes up for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have an amazing Halloween, All Saints Day, All Souls Day, Samhain, Day of the Dead. Whatever iteration, whatever holiday you celebrate, I hope it's a great one. Yeah, I hope you spend time with your ancestors and your friends and you get a little bonfire going, drink some hot, dirty wine, (laughs) burn something down, burn something down. We always advocate for arson on the podcast in one way or another. (laughs) Um, Can we be sponsored by arson? (laughs) Arson, TM. Um, (laughs) Um, no, but I think it would be really funny if we did an ad for like a candle company. 
<laughs> yes we sprinkled in a little bit of arson just just, just a fun. dash of arson mm-hmm. um yeah have a great halloween um next time we record the podcast i will be married <laughs> scary scary <laughs> um it really is the spookiest time of the year <laughs> <laughs> um and we will see you then thanks be to god blessed be